uh, some time ago, I was asked uh, to give a review of the past uh, 14 months. And if you're new to our church, I've been here over four years, but I've just been in this role for 14 months. And so if you're here for the first time, some things will uh, be new information. Um, if you've been here for a while, some things might still be new information, but uh, you'll be enlightened on a few things. And so is that all right? I'm just, just you know, make sure we maintain the same uh, excitement um, as we hear some things. So now as someone who uh, served as the executive pastor before this role, I provided a uh, Direct oversight um, over just about every ministry, uh, creative arts, discipleship, small groups, young adults, men, women. The list goes on and on and on. In fact, uh, one of my first um, assignments when I came here was to work um, with the college team for their welcome barbecue. Now, except for my wife and maybe two or three other people, all the leaders in this church, including our church board, have never led in their current role pre-COVID. Think about that. And so in, in addition to that, more than half of the members have only been here within, the, within you know, the past three to four years. This means that some things that feel like change, good or bad, are actually a return to some of our neglected church values. For example, our welcome uh, barbecue generally happens the last Saturday of August, somewhere around there. We haven't had one since 2019. Think about that. And so a lot of the seniors have never experienced it. And so our connect group, the membership process, all these things, all these are a return to some areas that were neglected. So although some things might be new to you, it doesn't mean it's new to the church culture. For example... When our college students went home uh, for the summer in early May, we were worshiping at St. John's. Our offices were at Telegraph Ave, and now we have everything here at Hillegas. This will be a new experience for them, just like those who are visiting for the very first time. So in your minds, uh, things have changed, and yet it's already our weekly rhythm. The ones who've been here, it's part of our weekly rhythm. Likewise, you won't understand the fullness um, of our journey unless I share this story with you. Don't worry, it's a good story. Don't start panicking. Proverbs 29:18, ESV for the ESV lovers. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. But I love how the Message Bible rephrases this for us. I'm not a big fan, but I love how it translates. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Notice the twofold nature of this verse. There is a cause and effect. If we can see what God is doing, then what? Not, not going to talk to me? We won't stumble. And if we respond in obedience to what God reveals, we receive his blessings. But there's something that's often overlooked in this equation. There's a gap between the promises of God, the things that we should see, and the provision of God, um, which is the blessings that we should receive. 
when you search throughout the Bible, God always gives people an opportunity to get involved. We have a role to play. Um, for example, I'll give you a lot of examples. You receive a job offer. That's the promise. But with that job, you can earn a salary. That's the provision. We often believe or say that our job is the provision. Yes, God has provided the job, but that job is the vehicle that leads to the provision. That's part of you know, the part that you got to play. You have to activate your role because if you don't work, what happens? Don't get paid. See, cause and effect. You work, you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. In fact, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 tells us, it says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. What we're seeing is that God gives us a promise, but allows us to activate the provision through our response to him. So our positive response to God's promise activates his provision using this same job analogy. You know, each day we rise and we navigate the challenges in front of us so that we can receive God's provision through our job or salaries. That's the gap between the promises of God and the provision of God. John 3.16 says that God gave his only son the promise and if we believe in him, we'll have eternal life. So through Jesus, we have the provision of eternal life. But in the middle, we learn to walk by faith according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Jesus promised in John 16 and verse 13 that his spirit will guide us into all truth, but we discover the provision when we follow. So when we don't know how to hear, listen, trust, and follow the Spirit of God, we never discover the provision of God. In other words, our decisions demonstrate the extent of our obedience to God. Our decisions demonstrate the extent of our obedience to God. This concept of promise provision, and the in-between is essential for the story I'll share. You guys ready for the story? I was just setting you up for the story. And so everything in this story, for the most part, is going to be in 2022, somewhere between January and August. That's where we're going to be going. So on January 1st, 2022, the Spirit of God told me, to pray for the first three months of the year, and everything will become clear after that. That's what I was told. On January 5th, the question was asked, Garfield, what do you sense God saying for our church? My response was, I don't sense God saying anything specific for our church, but there's something specific that God is calling me to do either at this church or another church. Now, I was shocked when those words came out of my mouth because that wasn't something I was prepared to say 
but it came out of my mouth, and I was shocked that I didn't even clarify what I said. Have you guys ever said something, and then you're just so shocked you can't even clarify? You just kept your mouth shut like, it's out there? Never happened to you guys before? No? Y'all leave me alone up here, all right? It's all good, it's all good. So that, so that, so that took place January 5th. On January 14th, I received a call from Gordon. Gordon is a ministry recruiter. And he offered me $20,000 more than what I was making to be the executive pastor of a church in Tampa, Florida. Now, this could have been an intriguing offer. Now, my wife is from Florida. Her family's there. And some of you guys know the story that my father-in-law has been in the hospital since uh, 2017. So we haven't heard his voice at all. He's been literally in the hospital um, from place to place. In fact, when my mother-in-law was going through, it was close to 100 different hospitals he's been in, different facilities, back and forth. And so this would have been very intriguing, you know, get a chance to see the family every week and be closer. I have siblings there too, so very intriguing. But my immediate response was no. God told me to spend the first three months praying. And believe it or not, that was my response in the seven-minute phone conversation. On January 31st, Todd, another church recruiter, called to offer me a lead pastor role for a church right here in Oakland. I declined the offer. In fact, the church called, and somehow a former member had referred me um, to them. I declined the offer four times between the months of uh, February and March. Now, I want you to understand that I didn't apply to any of these jobs. These guys are calling just out of nowhere. Now, I declined this job because all I know, again, is that God told me to pray for the first three months. And after three months, everything will be clear. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, right? I didn't understand what God was trying to show me, and I didn't try to make any emotional decisions. If God wanted me to pray for three months, I was determined to pray for three months. Now, during these three months, there was already a strong conviction that we needed to hire a college pastor. You guys remember that? Ah, you guys remember that. <laughs> so we began interviewing candidates, and there was, you know, this excitement, for some at least, that one of the candidates was coming for an on-site interview. Guess when they were coming? On March 31st, 2022. Notice the timeline. The candidate was visiting on the last day of my three-month of prayer. You see, it wasn't until I was preparing for the sermon that I started to uh, recreate the timeline. See, God doesn't need help when he's doing these things, right? Now... This is where the story started to get complicated. Nothing like a good, complicated story. As a church, we were only prepared to pay two full-time pastors, and we already had two full-time pastors on staff. How will we pay this new pastor? You guys might be saying, faith in Jesus. While the candidate was here on April 1st, 
exactly three months after the instruction to pray. I had a brief conversation with my wife. It might have lasted maybe a minute, if that. And we agreed that if this candidate accepted the position, I would give up my salary so we could hire this college pastor. Now, here's the disclaimer. The church board wasn't thrilled about the decision because uh, why would you lose a proven staff who's the executive pastor for someone who is going to fill one role? And also, you don't know what to expect, right? I remember having a long talk with Paul Beck. Now, Paul Beck was organizing the college stuff. I miss Paul. Paul, he's in Korea. But Paul said, Pastor Garfield, what you're doing is unheard of. It's a noble thing. But I'm not quite sure how to feel emotionally. Should I be excited that we finally get to hire a college pastor? Or should I be sad that you won't have an income to provide for your family? There I was in a moment of uncertainty. I didn't know how much time I had left on staff because whenever this new pastor started, my employment would end. That was just the initial agreement. And I didn't have a backup plan. I was making decisions based on what I believed God was saying to me. And there I was, already turned down two offers, right? And, I mean, you got to have a good wife because Pastor Mimi was, she was co-signing these decisions and none of us knew what God had planned for our future. I'm saying, yeah, God is saying this. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Give up your salary. <laughs> the three months of praying are over. And the only thing I had to show for it was giving up my salary so the college minister could have a pastor. What do you do when you're trusting God, but your reality seems contradictory to God's purpose for your life? God says something to you, but your reality seems so much different. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. In other words, there will be seasons in your life when it seems like there's no evidence of God in your situation. But these are the moments when God invites us to grow deeper in our relationship with him. See, what sustained you in the last season may not be the same thing that sustained you in the future. You have to remember that. Life doesn't get easier. I know we'd like it to get easier, but life doesn't get easier. But we submit the process that God takes us through. That's what we do. Like any complicated story, this story got more complicated. So I'm trying to, you know, I want you guys to understand all the different events that got us to this point. Because those are the events that created the foundation of where we are right now. So after that week, I know that conversation of me giving up my salary, 
I learned that our former pastor was going to step down. So I'm speaking with the former pastor, and he says, well, you give up your salary, and I'm stepping down, so I guess the only pastor that will be left will be the incoming college pastor. Except later that same day, that pastoral candidate decided not to accept our offer and decided to become the senior pastor at another church. So with all that transpired, you can imagine that the church board needed to process and pray about what's next for our church. Now, you'd think they'd say, well, let's offer Garfield the lead pastor role. Now, he's been here for a few years. He's a proven leader. After all, it made sense because that's the same reason why they wouldn't want to get a new pastor over me, right? But no. They asked me to keep preaching until they discern God's direction for our church. So I agreed to preach. During the same period of them praying, I received a phone call from another ministry recruiter. I mean, that was the year of the ministry recruiters, right? They're just calling like. He called because he wanted me to, to meet with the pastoral team from Reality SF. The same Reality across um, in, in SF. Because coincidentally, they were hiring an executive pastor. So from the hundreds of people across the country, they said I was one of five people that fit the profile, but I had the inside edge because I lived here. Uh, my son was already plugged into the youth group for a few months, and we were already going back and forth on Sundays. And so we already knew some of the leaders, knew the pastors. So if I received an offer, I wouldn't have to even move from where I live. It would also be an easy decision because there were no plans for me to pastor this church. In the smallest of windows, there was a moment of uncertainty for all of us, even if you didn't know it. In our personal lives, we all face uncertainties. And sometimes these uncertainties in our lives, they create significant consequences. But here's what I want you to remember. The presence of uncertainty is not the absence of God. See, it's through these moments of uncertainty that our rootedness in God should drive us to total dependence on God. See, after meeting with Reality, our church board here, they gathered uh, nine ministry leaders who interviewed me over a few days to determine if I could be a good fit to be the lead pastor here. Now, this wasn't just a meeting. It's an interview. In fact, they even asked me for a resume. And I'm like, guys, I've been here for a few years. They asked for a resume. They asked me to read through if I agreed with our beliefs. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> but when they sat in that room, it was no games. It's like straight face asking me, what are your thoughts on this? And I'm like, okay, I see On May 11th, I learned about the decision for me to be the lead pastor. And just so you know, my wife was never a part of the process. In fact, we learned about the decision when we were in Oregon. I was attending her graduation when she was getting her doctoral degree from Portland Seminary. And when I 
received the, uh, you know, the notice, I prayed about it, and I remembered what God said in January 2022. Pray for the first three months, and everything will become clear after that. When God confirmed this was the place I was supposed to be, I accepted the role, and immediately he began depositing the direction for our church. See, God is not the author of confusion. So he didn't give me the direction of the church until I was appointed to this role. See, that's pretty much God's safeguarding. Because imagine if, you know, I knew that I was going to be the lead pastor. Then I'd probably start acting different, right? Start like, oh, I know what's going on here. No, no, no. But God just says, can I trust you to obey me? And if you obey me or when you obey me, then I'll reveal the things as I go along. It's just like applying to, you know, the school that you're in right now. How many of you guys applied to just one university? Just one and you got in. Everyone's looking around like, not me. <laughs> See, when we find ourselves in these moments of uncertainty, the question we must answer is this. How can I faithfully trust God without having the details? See, obedience to God is not about knowing why. It's about saying yes to God and doing whatever he says, regardless of the outcome. See, my response to God about praying to start the year, it activated what he planned for my, for my life and even this church. So this is why when someone says, Pastor Garfield, I'm leaving the church or I'm moving out of state. I'll miss them, but I'll never convince them to stay because I understand that 14 months ago, things could have been much different for me. Things could have looked much different for this church because each leader brings a different gifting that God has given them. If you need convincing to stay or leave, you have to do what I did last year. I spent time praying to discover what God had planned for my future. Remember, God places you in the body as he sees fit. So you need God's approval in your decisions. You don't need an audience if you decide to leave. When God places you in the body, you are responsible for activating your purpose not the audience that you try to create. Now, why does this story matter on a day like today? Where I am today, pastoring this church, is connected to the promise that God made to me in January 2022. The provision was activated when I submitted to spending the first three months of the year praying. God said, there is something I'm calling you to do. But I had to learn how to live in the in-between, being willing to submit to his instruction when I didn't have the details. Okay, this is not a rhetorical question. What date is today? August 20th, 2023. A year ago, on August 21st, 2022, Remember what happened? I won't quiz you. We launched a three-month prayer campaign called Proclaim. 
a year to the date. And we prayed that God would provide a space like this, a facility that would allow us to foster community, a space that would allow us to do more ministry, a space that would enable us to grow into the future that God has for our church. Here we are today, a year to the date. We don't get to worship in this facility without our commitment to prayer, believing that God would provide something better. Where you are today is connected to the promise that God made to you. I don't know what the promise is, but you do. But being here is part of your obedience to God, great or small. God has promised this church to be a beacon of hope, a place of refuge in this city. God is calling us to be a place where people can experience Jesus and trust him as the source of what they need in their lives. Amen? And if we fulfill this God-given purpose, we will be a community of believers following Jesus, pointing people to Jesus for salvation, healing, and freedom. But we're serving God somewhere between the promise and the provision. Our provision from God will happen in different stages. Now, some of you, you're just now starting your journey with us. Others, your journey might end next month or next year or two years from now. But every decision we make moving forward must be tied to our obedience to God. I could have been elsewhere. You could have been elsewhere. But none of those things matter because we're all right here. According to God's divine wisdom and providence, he has placed us where we need to be. God rearranged everything in our lives to have us right here. Now, knowing a little bit, bit more about our story, our journey this past year has been one of triumph, faith, obedience, and perseverance. If you're visiting here for the first time, I want you to know, and the members here will all agree, that you're looking at a church that knows how to lean into the promise and provision of God. We understand that prayer is the engine. We trust in God in faith. We depend on God in prayer. We respond to God in worship. I know over the summer we had some movie nights. But you know what the first thing we did when we got here? We had a prayer and worship night. Now, you might be wondering, like, well, if I'm starting a journey, what is that? Where, does, where do I belong? Well, whether you're here 5, 10, 15 years, you belong here. Why? Because the Christian faith is a communal experience with other believers. Our Sunday worship is a communal experience. Getting plugged into a connect group is a communal experience. Our Wednesday nights, our large groups, even the barbecue next Saturday, these are all communal experience with other believers. So if you're looking for a communal experience with other believers and an opportunity to experience Jesus, you belong here. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is nothing more important than belonging to God's family. Our spiritual growth is contingent on being an active member of Christ's body, the local church. Once we're saved, we become a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We, the redeemed, are God's new creation, his masterpiece, his crowning achievement. We are alive together so that we might do God's good work. These works are the very purpose for which we were saved. And it's not just that we are saved, but we're built together. We have a shared story that Jesus saves, and he created us for a purpose. And now we have a shared story that we had to trust God through the uncertainty of this church. But on our journey from God's promise to his provision, we must learn how to coexist in the in-between. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, what? Being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are what? Being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In God's family, we're in a meaningful relationship with God and each other. To be God's church, we must be a place where people who have surrendered their lives to Jesus can learn to live together despite our differences. In Roman construction, the workers would meticulously have to turn and they would maneuver these large blocks of stone until they appropriately fit together. They wanted these big boulders to fit perfectly. That's how God wants us to be as a church. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as what? Living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's my commission to you. In fact, it's more of a challenge to you. Our faith can no longer be private. It must be a communal life together. There are people that you encounter or will encounter who need to know about the grace that Jesus provides. They need to experience the community of other believers. We have an opportunity to invite people to places where we go to experience Jesus. We invite them to restaurants, right? Why not invite them to the places where we go to experience Jesus? They need to be sitting next to you in a service like this. They need to be sitting next to you in your weekly connect group, sitting next to you in your large groups. They need to be discipled to grow in their faith so they can make other disciples according to Matthew 28. The mission of God for this church is too great for one person. So God places people in a local church, 
all of us. We don't invite people to church. We invite them to an experience with Jesus. We're so used to saying, come to church. No, we're inviting them to an experience with Jesus. People can find good churches everywhere, but we need them to experience Jesus. You can be the vehicle that lead them to Jesus. Here we are. We're located on a seminary campus. On this seminary campus, it affords some unique opportunities that, you know, I'll share more about that I've been talking with the president and vice presidents about. But here is what I learned about UC, the same UC Berkeley, the one that we can see up there. You know, I'm always bringing some data, right? According to the Berkeley News published on August 8th, the day before my birthday. Just got to throw that out there, right? <laughs> you know, a few of the members, they came and they surprised me for my birthday. It was a good experience, you know, just, you know, seeing them and just talking about the most random things. Black Panther. <laughs> but here's what the Berkeley News said. 14,565 applicants were admitted as first-year students this fall. 14,565. What would it take for us to get an opportunity to share the gospel to 10% of that group? Only 1,457. Oh, college students. You have an opportunity to invite people to experience Jesus wherever you experience Jesus. But there's also over 100,000 people living right here in this city. So we miss opportunities every single day when we fail to respond to what God is saying to us. Just as how the construction workers would meticulously work together to fit each stone perfectly in its place, the same is true for this church. Each of us can be a perfect fit where we're so intertwined in our relationship that we move this large mission of God forward. What I like about stones is that they come in different sizes, so they hold different weight. But they all serve a unique purpose. We have been brought together as the family of God, and our lives are spiritually intertwined forever. Which means, if you're a Christian, and I'm a Christian, if you remain a Christian, and if I remain a Christian, it doesn't matter where you go, where you live, when we die, I'll see you in heaven. Because we are spiritually intertwined forever because of the hope that we have in Jesus. The human body does not exist to meet the needs of the hand. The hand exists to meet the needs of the body. This church, the body of Christ, Emerge Berkeley, it does not exist to meet our needs. We exist to carry out the mission of Christ. But in carrying out the mission of Christ, guess what? we discover that our needs are also being met. We learn that as we're inviting people to experience Jesus, we're also experiencing Jesus. 
When we invite people to experience community, we're experiencing community. I'm here to announce that the phrase, the phrase that we actually personalized, we, you know, we gave it an identity, the phrase someone else is no longer a member of this church. Someone else has left the church and created a vacancy for you to fill. Whenever there was something to, to be done in the church or a minister role to fill, we'd often say or think, let someone else do it. They're no longer here. Now we're in a season where we need everyone connected to God, everyone connected to what God is even doing in this season of our church. Do you belong here? Absolutely. Is there a place for you to serve? Absolutely. But you must choose to activate what God is calling you to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. I have um, some, an action step for you guys. And what I want to do is to think about these questions. I want to think about how will you actively discover your role as part of this church? Or how will you try to build relationships with your family members at Emerge, not just passing people each day? And if you've been coming for a while or checking us out, will you consider committing to be a member of this church? Why membership? Because membership allows you to take an active role, active ownership in the mission and vision of this church. It's not about just coming. It's about saying, what can I do to take ownership of the mission and the vision? That's what membership does. So our mission is to reach the people living in Berkeley, and it becomes your mission. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he's allowing you to hear this message so you can have an opportunity to make that decision and be connected to this body of believers. Jesus wants you to know that he loves you with an everlasting love. This church is a place where you can have a communal experience with Jesus. Amen? You know, I didn't tell uh, the worship team, you know, the, the songs to sing or even the direction, you know, of, you know, the sermon. But isn't it interesting how God would have these songs strategically placed? I asked the team to, to sing, you know, the chorus of the last song that is sung earlier about all God's promises are yes and amen. But I want to pray first. I pray for the one who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I come to you right now, and we're just grateful that you've allowed us to be here. I pray, God, for the one who's listening. Maybe they're struggling with their faith. I pray, God, that this will be an opportunity for them to say yes to you. God, you sent your son. It was a promise. And he actually came and he died on the cross and created an opportunity for salvation. So I pray, God, for the one that's here who doesn't know you, that they'll receive that gift of salvation to serve you. 
But I also pray that for all of us here, um, all of us as a church, uh, we've seen and heard of what you've done this past year. And there's no doubt that you have been with us and you continue to be with us. We're trusting you, God, that you continue to lead us as a church. Not because of the things that I believe, but because we all believe that you're calling us to fulfill the mission. So pray, God, that you will just bless each and every one of us and that we can move forward and do the things that you're calling us to do. We just love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.